From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama shabastani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and then offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. And they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Well, what, what do these things mean? Well, I've got three things, simple things I want to say that come out of this passage to help us understand some of the things we've been talking about. And I've got three things in my mystery box. Everybody say, ooh, ooh. I've got three things in my mystery box that are going to help us understand some of the events that we've just read about and heard about. So I'm going to open my box and I'm going to take out my first mystery item. Everybody go, ooh. Oh, that's terrible. Come on. Do you want to see it or not? Say, ooh. 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 Brilliant. Well, here we go. Here we have a magnifying glass. Now, what does this magnifying glass represent? Well, we heard that on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which probably isn't a strange thing for Jesus to say, but in some ways, It is a bit of a strange thing for Jesus to say. Think about it. Jesus didn't say, my God, my God, why have they put nails in my hands? Jesus didn't say, my God, my God, why are they mocking me? Jesus didn't say, my God, my God, why am I being crucified? He didn't say, my God, my God, why have I been beaten so badly? Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? You see, What Jesus was going through at that moment that was more painful than any of the physical stuff that he was dealing with wasn't physical pain, it was emotional, relational, spiritual pain. You see, what was going on at the cross at that moment, you know a magnifying glass, when you um, hold it up to the sun, it gathers all the rays and it pinpoints them all at one point, doesn't it? You can use it to make things look bigger, or you can use it to focus all the light of the sun into one place. And you can do all sorts of fun things with that that I'm sure your parents could tell you about later or won't. But it, it, like, it magnifies it into one place. And on the cross, as Jesus was dying, all of God's anger for sin and rebellion was being magnified and focused into one place, onto him. All of my selfishness, all of my greed, all of my horribleness, all of my lust, all of the horrible things that I have done, all of my rebellion against God was focused on Jesus at that moment. 
Jesus was paying for my sins. And he was paying for the sins of all who would trust in him. You see, Jesus wasn't being abandoned because of anything he'd done. Jesus was facing separation from God. He was being punished for the things that I had done, for the things that we had done. He wasn't guilty, but he was treated as if he was. All of God's anger, right anger, was focused on Christ at this moment, which is why he shouted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, what does that mean? What, what did Jesus do by accomplishing that? I'm going to pull out my second thing from the box. Give me an ooh. Ooh. I've got a piece of cloth. Whee. Actually, we're going to pretend this is a curtain here. Because we read, didn't we, in that passage, that the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Now, this isn't a very impressive looking curtain. I grant you that. But the temple curtain was incredibly impressive. It was 60 feet high. That's, that's, that's like 10 of me standing on my shoulders. 60 feet high. It was 20 feet wide. It was made up of 72 perfectly square panels that were all woven together. And each one of those panels was as thick as, my, as your father's hand. So if you look, oh, grab, your, grab your dad or your granddad or the, the man who's sitting next to you. And have a look at just the width of his hand there. Have a look at That is how thick the curtain in the temple was. Historians that wrote about this curtain said that it was so heavy that it took 300 priests to move it. There is no way any human was going to tear this this curtain. And it was right in the temple, and it wasn't a boring-looking bit of fabric like this. It was immaculately woven with all the colours you could possibly imagine. Some of the people that saw it described it as as, as being like a, a tapestry that just pictured the whole of creation. All of the earth, all of the sea, all of the stars in the heaven, all the golds and crimsons and, and blues. Just It was a beautiful curtain. And it had to be a beautiful curtain because of what it symbolized. It symbolized the gateway to heaven. You see, behind that curtain was the place where God dwelled. And there was this big, humongous curtain barrier in the way that no one could go through. No one could go into that curtain. Only one person a year, the high priest, could go in there. And if anybody else went in there, they, we're told that they would be burnt up by God's wrath. You see, sin, all the things that we have, all the sins that we've committed have created a barrier between us and God. And this curtain represented that barrier. And we're told at the moment Jesus died, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Completely torn in two. The moment Jesus died, sins were paid for. That meant the barrier was no longer needed. All who wanted to come to God didn't need to, to go through sacrifices. They didn't need to fight their way through. They just needed to come through Jesus to say sorry for their sins to come to God for forgiveness, and then because of what Jesus had done, they could enter into the holy place. They could know God and have a relationship with him perfect forever. At the moment Jesus died, all of that was paid for. So Jesus bore the penalty for our sins, and he made a way for people to know God in heaven. I've got one more thing in my box here. All right, everyone go, ooh. 
ooh, you're getting good at this. Oh, here we go. This is a gospel. This is a gospel of Matthew. Matthew was one of the eyewitnesses of, of, of the accounts of Jesus. And why have I got a gospel? Well, because the people that spent their time with Jesus realized that Jesus was the Son of God. And we've read about how the centurion, Roman centurion, as he gazed upon Jesus dying on the cross, said, surely he was the Son of God. Now, I wonder what it would take for me to convince you that I was God this morning. It might take a lot, right? Maybe if I performed a few miracles, healed a few sick people, if I, if I, um, I, I, I don't know, made this roof float off and fly up into the heavens, maybe then you might believe that that I'm God, possibly. I, I don't really think so. You see, I asked my wife the other day, what would it take for me to convince you that I was God? And, and she said, nothing would convince me that you are God because I've spent time with you, Ben. And isn't it true that if you spent any time with me at all, you would know that without a shadow of doubt, there's nothing really special about me. But the thing is, The people that spent time with Jesus, who spent time with him, walked with him day after day for years, they're the ones, the people that knew him the best, they're the ones that said, this man is the son of God. And here we see a picture of a Roman centurion as he is watching Jesus in the worst moments of his life, right? When you're in pain, when you're in agony, those are the times you don't think about other people, those are the times you think about yourself. Last year I had this, uh, a big operation, and I won't tell you in all the gory details, but I'll tell you in hospital, I was a miserable person. You didn't want to be around me because of the pain that I was in. I didn't care about other people, I just cared about the pain I was in. Miserable. Anyone that came to see me then saw me at my worst. But when this Roman centurion saw Jesus at his worst, what did he see? He saw a man who was willing to forgive him as the nails were being driven through his hands. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He saw a man who, who, had a, who was dying in agony, and yet he took the time to forgive a dying criminal and to give that man hope. He saw a man who, while he was hanging on the cross, we're told that he cared for his mother and one of his disciples, John, and told them to care for each other and love one another. He wasn't worried about himself. He was loving others even as he was dying in agony. And then he sees Jesus cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he sees the agony in Jesus' face. And then he witnesses as Jesus dies the earthquake. He witnesses the darkness. He sees all these things. And as he sees Jesus in his worst moments, he says, this is the Son of God. Now let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? What would it take for you now to believe that Jesus died for your sins, took the punishment that you deserve on the cross so that you could know God? What would it take? Maybe you already believe it. Maybe you've come to a point, even this morning, where you've said, you know what, I do believe this, and I want to come to God, and I want to ask God to forgive me. Well, you can do that this morning. You can simply say, God, please forgive me. I want to know you. 
And because of what Jesus has done, he's paid for all your sins. You can simply do that. You don't need any special incantations. You don't need to learn a special prayer. You don't need to do anything. You just need to ask. You can do that right now. Maybe you're not quite ready at that point. Well, maybe, let me give you a couple of other things you can do. Maybe why don't you take a gospel? We've got loads of them at the back. You can have a gospel and you can read it over Easter and read about the people that knew Jesus the best. And you can find out for yourself what they said about him. You could come along again on Sunday here at church and where we're going to be baptizing a couple of people who have come to know that Jesus is the Son of God. And you can hear about their stories and see their testimony as they... um, show to all of us through baptism that they're willing to follow Jesus. Or you can take home one of these books called Finding More, which is a book of stories of people that came to know that Jesus is the Son of God. And you can hear about their stories. But let me give you one more thing. Maybe you're not quite ready for that, but you would like to read the Bible. I would like to invite you to read the Bible just one time with me, or with somebody else from the church. Just to read it once, to read just one chapter of the Bible, and to see what it says for yourself. And let me invite you, if you would like to do that, I will take you out for lunch, or somebody in our church will take you out for lunch, we'll even pay for it, and we would love to read the Bible with you. If you'd like to do that, you can come and chat to me afterwards, and I can link you up with someone or I can find time for you. Or you can send me an email at one-to-one at thekingcenter.org.uk. It'll come up on the screen later on and you'll be able to see that. And we can arrange that for you. We'd love to take time to tell you more about this Jesus who died for your sins. So Jesus took the pet punishment that we deserve on the cross. He opened a way to heaven for all, all who would trust in him. And Jesus is the Son of God. Let me pray. Father God, we we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he did on that first Good Friday. That at the moment he died, all of the sins of anyone who had come to him were forgiven. And the way to heaven was open forever. Lord, help us to trust in that message. And if there is anybody here this morning, Lord, who is is, who is really starting to believe that, Lord, I pray that you would help them to trust in Christ today. Help those of us that know this message never to take it for granted, but to be like Peter, to tell everyone that Jesus died for our sins and he is alive. Amen.